Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. We are continuing along the lines of learning how to apply the medicine of God. Learning how to apply the medicine of God. And this is important for us to give our attention to and not to become weary in hearing it, not become weary in well-doing because it is not the head knowledge, the information stored in the mind that releases faith, but it's the hearing of the Word that causes faith to come. And so especially in a time when people are dependent upon their immune systems working effectively. Amen. We want our immune systems working effectively. So we're all in the right place today because as we hear the Word of God that promises us health, it will strengthen our immune system. Romans chapter 10 is discussing faith for salvation. And before we move too far away from that concept, let's identify the Bible definition for the word salvation. Because if we only see it in one dimension, we will lose the effectiveness of the, inf- uh, the, 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 the uh, desire of God, the, the, what He wants to impart into us. Salvation means liberation. It means preservation. It means restoration. It includes healing and uh, a a whole life, a life that's full financially, a life that's full of strength, a life that's full of, of health. Hallelujah. And so salvation means rescue. These are all definitions. If you were to look it up in the uh, original language, you would find out all of these dynamics are included in the word salvation. So when Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says that we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation, it says it is the power of God unto preservation. It's the power of God to rescue me. It's the power of God to liberate me. It's the power of God to heal me. It's the power of God to set me free. It's the power of God to restore my life. Salvation is an all-inclusive word covering all of these aspects of our life. And the word of God, the gospel, is the power of God unto all of those dynamics of salvation in our life. So when we read in this chapter, let's begin in verse 8, what saith it? What saith the righteousness which is of faith? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So again, we're talking about the word, the word in your mouth and in your heart. If you confess with your mouth 
the Lord, or you could say the Lordship of Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be rescued, liberated, preserved, healed, if you believe in your heart. Now, we know specifically this is talking about the new birth, which is the entrance into the fullness of his salvation because to to experience the fullness of his salvation, the very first thing he's going to do is liberate me from a sin nature. The very first thing he's going to do is change my nature so that I am cleansed from sin. I am no longer a sinner, but now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am born again, and as a born again child of God, I now have access to all of the other aspects of salvation. So that salvation continues, but we're talking about a process. He says in this process, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be. Well, specifically, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what is that saying? If I believe God has raised Jesus from the dead... I believe that God is raising me out of spiritual death through what Jesus did. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to cleanse me of sin, right? I believe that he was crucified in my place. And in believing in him being raised from the dead, he didn't do that for himself, he did that for me. God did that so that you could be raised out of a condition of spiritual death. So believing it in the heart is, the next verse says, I'm believing it unto righteousness. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. I believe, therefore, I am qualified to receive it. I'm not qualified to receive it because I need it. I'm not qualified. There's a lot of people who need to be saved, but they're not saved today because they don't believe. They don't believe. And so believing is required for the receiving. If they want to to receive being raised out of spiritual death, they've got to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You remember over in Corinthians, and let me find it in, I think I want 1 Corinthians 15. And this is not the purpose, but it's going to drive the point home. In in 15.3, the Apostle Paul said, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for your sins, for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So he said, this is what I preach to you. I didn't just preach that Jesus died for your sin, I preached that he died that he was buried, 
and that he was resurrected and that Peter saw him, and then the 12 saw him, and then uh, over 500 people saw him, and, and they're still alive today at his writing that they could have gotten, if they wanted to, they could have gotten the eyewitness testimony that Jesus had risen from the dead. Yeah. Why is he going through this so emphatically? That Jesus has written, risen from the dead, verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, I preach that Jesus was raised from the dead, so how is it now being taught among some circles that there is no resurrection from the dead? And if there, listen to what he says. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus has not risen. Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is vain. It's for nothing. If Christ isn't risen, then all of us might as well just pack up and go, go hide in a cave somewhere because there's no hope if Christ be not risen. So Christ being risen is the essence of who I am today in Christ. Do you see that? So he's saying if you believe in your heart that Christ, that God has raised Jesus from the dead and then you declare with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord, then that resurrection power now comes into your life and that's what Ephesians 3, the prayer that the Holy Spirit gave the apostle Paul that he was praying for the church at Ephesus that we can pray for ourselves as well that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believed according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power's in me and that power's in you. It's the resurrection power that gives us victory over sickness and disease. It's the resurrection power that gives us victory over depression and fear and torment and worry. It's the resurrection power. That's alive and working, resident in your spirit today. Do you see why it's important that we believe God raised him from the dead and then open up our mouth and claim his lordship? With the heart man believes unto right standing and with the mouth confession is made unto rescue. With the mouth, confession is made unto preservation. With the mouth, confession is made unto healing. With the mouth, confession is made unto preservation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the heart and the mouth are spiritual activity points. With the heart I'm believing, but with the mouth I'm speaking, and I'm speaking out of the abundance of the heart, where I believe. So this process is not only the process through which we receive Jesus as Lord and become born again, the new birth, but it is also the same process through which we access His prosperity, we access His healing power. With the heart, 
I believe that Jesus took stripes on his back to purchase my healing. With my heart, I believe that by his wounds, I am healed. With my heart, I believe surely he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was placed upon him and by his stripes, I am healed. I believe that with my heart. Well, then what? Then what? Well, then I need to open up my mouth and say, Jesus is my great physician. He is my Lord, my healer. Jesus is the healer of my body. Jesus is the strength of my bones. Jesus is the health of my blood. Jesus is Lord over this body. Amen? And when I am believing it in the heart and declaring it with the mouth, I am activating the provision and receiving it. Amen? This is the process that God has given us. So if the, if the heart is believing, the next step is to make sure the mouth is moving, that I'm, that I'm speaking it out of my mouth. So faith for any specific provision that is ours by covenant, healing is ours by covenant. It is not something that I have to convince God to give me. He has already made it mine by Jesus Enduring the stripes on his back. The chastisement necessary to obtain my nothing missing, nothing broken was placed on him. That's why he bore the stripes. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Himself, he took them upon himself to remove them completely away from us. Amen? So this specific provision, if I need to access that specific provision, then I need to go to the specific promises where it is contained. If I want to go out into a garden and I want to plant two rows of tomatoes, what will I need? Will I need to pull out my watermelon seed? Should I pull out, should I pull out some, some corn, some corn kernels to put? What do I want? Well, I'm just going to just grab all these different seeds because they're all seeds. They're all seeds. So as long as I'm putting seed in the ground, then I'm going to get something. But if you want a specific harvest, you're going to have to go find the specific seed to plant for that harvest. So if you want tomatoes, you need tomato seed. And if you want healing, you need healing seed. And if you're in a specific stand for your health, you need to use the wisdom of God to sow the healing seed and reap the healing harvest specifically. Amen? If it's a financial harvest that you have need of, then sow financial seed. Take your, your, your financial seeds that promise you stability and increase and multiplication and act on them, sow them into your ground, act on them, water it with the word, keep it in your heart and in your mouth and a harvest will come up of that specific thing which you have planted. God has provided your ground. Your heart is the ground. 
Your heart is the ground. His word is the seed. But if we play, if, if a person, not you, because y'all are good faith-building people, if somebody chooses not to put the seed in their heart, it's not God's fault that they don't have the harvest. If he's given them the ground and he's given them the seed, it's not his fault if they don't have the harvest. If he has given them the ground and he has given them the seed, it's not God's fault if they don't have the harvest. Can I say it again? If God has given us the ground and he's given us the seed, it's not his responsibility if we don't have the harvest. The harvest must come after the planting and the watering and the harvesting. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Then we reap. Amen? But this is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God. As if a man would plant seed into the ground and he gets up night and day. In other words, going through this process of my life, I'm putting the word, putting the word, putting the word in my heart, in my mouth, in my heart, in my mouth, putting the word, bringing it back out of my mouth. I'm every day going through this process. It's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. When you're doing it, take it from me. It, it's not glamorous. You don't have a whole lot of hoopla to help you. You don't have a whole lot of people with you going, oh, come on now. Come on now. Preach. Hey, yay, yay. You don't have all that. When you're at home with your Bible, saying it out loud to yourself, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. By his stripes I am healed. Sometimes you don't feel like it's working. It doesn't always look like it's working. Can I say this? Most of the time it doesn't look like it's working <laughs> because we don't go by what it looks like. It's working because the word will not return unto God empty. The word will not return empty. It will not return empty. Amen? So this process is applicable to any covenant provision. Financial stability, increase, health, salvation of our family. Any covenant provision, you can bring the seed of the word into your heart and you can reap the harvest of the word. I want to show you in Acts chapter 14. Let's read verses 7 through 10 in Acts chapter 14. And there... They preach the gospel. So we know we've got the word going forth, don't we? The, the word is being proclaimed. And when the word is proclaimed, faith comes. Is that what Romans 10, 17 says? Faith by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, if, so we know faith was coming. They preached the gospel. So faith was being uh, made available to any hearers. Faith was coming. Hallelujah. As you're sitting here today, faith is coming. Yes. Not because of, of, my, of my, my words alone, but because they're God's words. And they contain faith. And when they are voice activated by the proclaiming of them and the preaching of them, a supernatural force of faith is applied. It comes into your heart that, that cannot come to you through the laying on of hands. It cannot come to you through the impartation of an anointing. It, this is a spiritual 
law that when the gospel is preached, faith is available. Faith comes. Amen? We can agree with it or we can reject it. We agree. Amen? And that's what happened here. They were preaching the gospel and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. He had no power in his feet. He had no ability in his feet. And then it stresses his dire situation, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. That is this man's situation. The same heard Paul speak. What is Paul speaking? He's preaching the gospel. Verse 7 told us he's preaching the gospel. The same heard Paul speak. And then it says, Who, meaning Paul, steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. He leaped and walked. There was no laying on of hands. There was no impartation of the anointing. And those are all good. It is appropriate for the laying on of hands. It is appropriate for the, uh, the healing anointing to be administered. It is appropriate for the gifts of healings in the church. Those are all good. But I don't have to wait till somebody who has a gift of healing to be in my presence for me to get healed. I don't have to wait until someone who has a healing anointing to impart to me is available to pray for me. I don't have to depend on the faith, uh, the prayer of faith from somebody else. It says that faith came as this man heard Paul preaching the gospel and he didn't even know he had the faith to be healed yet. Thank God for the man of God who pointed out and perceived that he had faith to be healed. And it says that Paul said to him, he gave him the instruction, stand upright on your feet, and he leaped and he walked. So this concept of hearing the word is the most stable way for us to receive. Now again, I want to I emphasize, God wants us healed in such a great desire. It is such His desire that we live every day whole. It is such God's desire that we live every day complete and whole in our physical body, in our mind, in our family, every area. But He has placed so many different ways for healing to be administered in His Word. Amen? Because that's His desire. That we live 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year, never be sick another day in my life. Amen? It is possible through hearing the Word. And so when, when we see this, It wasn't Paul's faith that healed this man. It wasn't the anointing that healed this man. It wasn't the uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit that healed this man. This man received his healing by faith and every believer 
qualifies to receive healing that way. Every believer qualifies. And if we would, and let me say this, even if you receive healing by some other way, you're still going to need faith to keep it. You're going to need faith because um, how many of you after you got saved did temptation come for you to go back and do something that you got saved from? Anybody else besides me? After I got saved, there were opportunities and temptations that presented themselves upon my path because the enemy wanted me to go back in the direction I had come out of, right? Well, the same thing happens when people get healed. The enemy wants to bring them back under the bondage of that sickness and so he'll come back and if you don't have faith to resist and faith to maintain your healing, then it, not you. If a person doesn't have faith to maintain their healing, then they might be convinced that maybe I didn't really get healed and maybe I just thought I was healed and maybe, maybe it's just come back on me and they'll just surrender to that symptom and surrender to it and not hold their ground to say, no, by his stripes I was healed. So if you, have, if you receive it by faith, you've already got the faith to keep it. If you receive it by the laying on of hands, you better keep, build your faith to keep it. If you receive it by a gift of the healing, build your faith to keep it. If you receive it by some other way, you're going to still have to stand at some point to say, no, healing is mine. It's the children's bread. It was bought and paid for by Jesus. I'm not letting go of it. Amen. Amen. So, so this word then contains... The Word of God, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ contains the power to heal our body as much as it contains the power to set us free from sin. Romans chapter 8, let's talk about the origins as we learn how to stand against sickness. Romans chapter 8, let's look at verse 2. It says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in comparison to the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death does not have dominion in our lives. In our lives... The law that governs us, let's take for instance the law of gravity that governs this planet. There is a law of gravity that is functioning here on the planet. And thank you, Lord, because we're not floating around in space. Amen. We're not going to have to tie you down so you don't flow away today. The, the law of gravity is working here. It is a natural law that is designed to provide for us, right? Well, the law of the spirit of life is a natural spiritual law. <laughs> it is natural to us as believers because it is in the atmosphere that we function in. We are in this world, but we're not dominated by the laws of this world. We're not governed by the dominion of this world. So this world can say, you can't help but get sick. But that's not what my covenant says. Right. 
My covenant says a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. My covenant says that the law that governs me as a, a woman of God, a daughter of God, a child of God, the law that governs me as a covenant child is a law that will that that is not dominated by sickness and death and sin but it is dominated by life it is the law of the spirit of life the law of the spirit of life now go back to genesis and see how god created mankind in his original plan if you want to look for the will of god we look in the garden before the fall we look in the life of Jesus, His example, and we look at what the Scripture reveals to us about heaven. The will of God in the garden was that man would live in their body forever. He did not intend, He did not desire for man's body to die. He did not create the body to die. That's why death is so unnatural. There's nothing natural about it, nothing sweet about it. It is called the enemy. The last enemy is death, right? We are recipients of eternal life. So translate and meditate. Eternal life does not mean I get to go to heaven. It includes that, but that's not the definition of it. Eternal life is mine now. I don't get it after I die. I have it now. It, it is present in me now. It is resident in my spirit now. I am alive because the life, the eternal life of God rebirthed me, regenerated me, made me alive unto Him. So eternal life is in me. Hallelujah. And because of that, I will never die spiritually when I exit my body should the Lord tarry in His coming. My body may physically die, but my spirit will be present with the Lord. I will not suffer spiritual death if my body goes by way of the grave. I will be immediately present with the Lord. Amen? Because eternal life is resident in me now. But I am designed... For the life in my physical body, the health of my physical body, to access the, the eternal life of God in my spirit. I can, I can live long and strong on this earth. And I can choose to resist sickness and disease by accessing the life of God in me that has set me free from the law of sin and death. Sickness came in with sin. So God never intended for Adam and Eve to die physically. He created them alive. He breathed the breath of life in them and they were to live out of their spirit. He said, if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in dying you shall die. That's, that's the Hebrew in, in, in dying spiritually, you will eventually die physically. In dying, you shall die. Two deaths. In the original language, it's a plural death. If you eat the fruit of this tree, you shall surely die, the King James says. The Hebrew says, in dying, you shall die. In dying, 
spiritually, you will cut yourself off from the life of God physically. Well, you and I have been placed in Christ and life is, the life of God is in our spirit now. So in living, you shall live. In living, you shall live. Amen? So that's why even though the New Testament says this outer man, uh, the inner man is renewed day by day, but the outer man is experiencing corruption. I'm not going to allow it to experience it faster than necessary. I'm not just going to throw, throw up my hands and say, that's okay, my body's just falling apart. No, no, I'm going to operate out of Romans chapter 8 that says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens my mortal body. The same resurrection power in the Holy Spirit that He used to raise Christ from the dead, I'm going to participate with that power in my knees and in my feet and in my organs. I'm going to allow it to energize my physical body, quicken, bring to life my physical body and get the most out of this physical body while I'm on this earth and resist all the sickness that I can, all that comes my way because that's the will of God for me. Amen? It's a spiritual resistance and it must be activated with my heart and with my mouth. And it's not something that just because you own a Bible is going to happen for you. You have to put the Word in your heart and you're going to have to openly build that faith into your heart and openly, verbally authorize healing to dominate you. Amen? The, same, the Spirit of life in Christ. The Spirit of life. So spiritual life, your spiritual condition. You know, the, the um, book of Proverbs says... Um, uh, the strong spirit of a man, and I'm reading, I'm going to quote you from the Amplified Bible. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in trouble and in bodily pain. The strong spirit of a man. So the stronger I am spiritually, the easier it is for me to resist sickness. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him during trouble or bodily pain in times of trouble or bodily pain. So the, it's, where's my, my help is coming out of the spiritual supply that's in my heart. That's why Proverbs chapter 4 says, guard with all diligence, guard your heart above all else, above anything else that you guard. I mean, you got the doorbell on, you got the electronic doorbell that comes to your telephone showing you who's at the front door. You've got cameras, you've got locks in your car, locks in your house. But he said above everything that you lock up and guard, guard your heart because out of your heart flows the issue, the force of life. These words are medicine, medicine to all your flesh. The Word of God is medicine, but it's the Word of God that's stored in the heart that's medicine. The Word of God that's stored in the heart that can be applied as medicine. Not the word that's in the Bible on your nightstand. You've got to get it out of the Bible into your heart. You've got to get it off the page and into the ground. 
It's not the seed in the package on the shelf at the store that's going to bring you a harvest. It's the seed that you take home and put in the ground and, and, and water it and watch over it. That's what's going to bring you the harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So sickness can be spiritually resisted. Sickness must be spiritually resisted. The law of the spirit of life has made us free. There is no sickness you are required to accept. No matter how long it's ran in your family. Run it out. Thank you, sir. Run it out. No matter how many other people in your family have experienced that, you are not obligated or required in any way, shape, or form to submit to it. Hallelujah. The law of the spirit of life has made you free from every sickness, from the dominion of sickness. Hallelujah. The law of the spirit of life governs you. Now, now let me just... Pause and put my disclaimer in here. You know how they got disclaimers, you know, on all the medicine. Let me put a disclaimer here. You've got to walk in love. You've got to forgive people who have done aught against you. I mean, anybody who's done anything, drop it, leave it, let it go. That's amplified of Mark 11. (laughs) Drop it, leave it, let it go. Amen? I mean, because there is faith works by love. And so if there is any unforgiveness, if there is critical attitude, if there is uh, um, distrust, if there is fear, if there is worry, all of those things choke out the Word. All of those things will stop the Word from its production in your heart. And so there are, are elements of spiritual health included in this. That's spiritual health. A a spiritually healthy person walks in love. A spiritually healthy person is controlled by love, not easily offended. A spiritually healthy person trusts in the Lord with all of their heart and they do not lean to their own understanding. A spiritually healthy person has joy and peace in believing. A spiritually healthy... So so do you see there's a spiritual health aspect here that I'm strong spiritually because I'm submitting myself and I'm a doer of the Word. So that's my disclaimer. Amen? Amen. Sickness was paid for on the cross and health became ours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2, I quoted it, but let's look at it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You probably know it by heart too, but look at it anyway. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Everything that His crucifixion accomplished is valid and operative in my life because I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live 
yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The anointed one and his anointing are alive and resident in me today. Can you say that with me? The anointed one and his anointing are alive and resident in me today. Christ lives in me. Say that. Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Christ lives in me. What does the anointing do? It breaks every yoke. It removes burdens. It removes the burden of sickness. It breaks off that sickness. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in, could we say the body? Are we talking, it says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. So because I am crucified with Christ, I am dead to sin. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you do not have to do any sin that comes your way? That comes to tempt you. There's no sin that's going to make you sin. Flip Wilson had it all wrong. Right? The devil can't make you do anything. Why? You are not in any way obligated to sin. Nor are you obligated to sickness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even if you feel it, you're not obligated to accept it. Just because you have a symptom doesn't mean you give it residence. Just because a symptom is attacking your body doesn't mean you have, you have authorized entrance to that sickness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people would say, well, I already got it because I got the... Well, if you say so. <laughs> or you could say, no, you can't live here. You can't live in my body. You can't run in my bloodstream. This bloodstream is bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. And I'm going to stay committed to the one who set me free. Amen? And so, so refuse it. No. You've got to open your mouth and you've got to... Remember, with the heart man believes unto right standing... And with the mouth, confession is made unto liberation, rescue. With the heart, I believe Jesus already paid for that. And with my mouth, I say, I am the healed of the Lord. I am the healed. In the midst of symptoms, it's right for you to say, I am the healed of the Lord. You're not lying. You're not lying. You're calling. You're calling things that be not as though they were. Until they are. <laughs> you've got to call it. You've got to, uh, what you're authorizing. What you are authorizing and, and calling for is yours 
spiritually. It's in your spiritual account. It is in line with God. It is in line with His will. It's in line with His provision. Sickness is not in line. Don't let the sick say, I'm sick. Don't let the weak say, I'm weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. So let the, let the sick say, I am healed. Let me tell you what I didn't say. I did not say, let the sick say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. There's no power in saying I'm not sick. Amen. The power is in calling what in line with the word of God, I am the healed of the Lord. I call my body healed. There's no power in saying I'm not sick. God didn't step out in Genesis 1 and say, it's not dark out here, it's not dark out here, it's not dark out here. He stepped out and he called what he wanted. He called his desire into existence. He, he called what was in his heart. Because God spoke faith-filled words out of his spirit. He called what was in his spirit already. Light be. Healing be. I am is a conjugation of the verb be. The verb be is the, the state of being verb. And if you were to conjugate it, you would say, I am, you are, we are. Right? He is. That's how you conjugate. That's how you apply that verb. But it is the state of being. So when God said, let there be light, light be, he was commanding it to be. And when you say, I am, you're commanding it in your life. You're in line with the Word of God authorizing His provision in your life. Hallelujah.